family life can be both rewarding and frustrating. That is why we are here to strengthen families with quality information and support to meet the many challenges they face. Welcome to In Support of Families. Parents all over the world have been through the same trials that you are facing. Your host, Emma Lou Penrod, is here to help with valuable parenting tips for a happy, orderly home. Today, I'm talking to Anita Biagan, and she is in Kenya right now. So thank you, Zoom. Anita is one of the directors at 100 Humanitarians International, and she's also an ambassador at Days for Girls. Anita, welcome. I'm so glad to be with you. I'm delighted we were able to make this connection. And I've, I've had some time to chat with you uh, through Facebook. And you have been involved in humanitarian work, it sounds like, almost all your life. So I, you tell us about how did you become involved in humanitarian work? What's, and have you always lived well, in Kenya? So, um, Anita um, is a mother of a three-year-old daughter, and uh, I'm born in Kenya, I've schooled in Kenya, and I live in Kenya most of the time. I only travel uh, once in a while to visit friends in the United States. So home, my home is Kenya. And, um, the question of how being a humanitarian uh, takes me back to uh, so many years back when um, growing up in a village that uh, was not supporting girl child education. And uh, mostly uh, my age mates, the girls that we went to school with, were uh, being uh, forced uh, to actually undergo what we call female genital mutilation. Uh, at an age of 12, and after that, they were married off. And uh, I remember when I was in eighth grade, uh, I was uh, 12 years old, and most of my friends uh, actually went through the cut. We normally call it a cut, actually. And once you go through that, the next thing uh, you get a husband and you're married off. And I was lucky enough to have a parent or oh, my parents, both my dad and mom, actually uh, supported education. They kept encouraging me to go through school and not to, uh, not to follow what other uh, people are doing in the community. So I went through uh, my eighth grade. I went to high school. Finally, I did well and I went through my university, my first degree. And um, when I finished my degree, I started working at an early age. I think my, I started working at 22 year old where I was able to do, to work with a bank, which uh, within two years I was promoted to be a manager. And I found myself doing so well because of the education I was able to get. And um, I worked for five years and uh, that was at around 26, I decided um, uh, I wanted to go back home and give back to the community because uh, knowing where I was coming from, 
and knowing uh, the kind of challenges the girls were going through, I wanted to do something for them. And um, luckily enough, I was involved with an uh, international organization called the 100 Humanitarian International that uh, was supporting families in uh, communities and uh, uh, trying to uh, bring projects to them that were more of uh, sustainable things that um, could help them to be self-reliant. And to me, that was something I wanted to do. So we engaged and um, immediately I started uh, identifying uh, families in the community that is in Bomet, where I was born. And I started working with the humanitarian organization, identifying the needy families, uh, giving them the information, the knowledge they needed, and empowering them to actually build up resources from the very little we could afford to give them as a humanitarian organization and see them grow with, uh, in a few years. And they were able to actually be self-reliant and not even come back to us and ask for money. So we were doing um, what we were calling a garden box um, uh, project where we were providing them with one cow for them to be able to milk and sell milk and also get uh, some for the families. We were giving them uh, five chickens that they could be able to sell eggs and eat also with the family. And also we were picking one uh, child from each family and providing them with education, like providing them with sponsorship to take them through school. That was, uh, we identified, we were identifying a firstborn in a family and saying, we're going to hold their hands and make sure the firstborn is able to finish schooling and they'll be able to also support the family. So that's what we started doing uh, with the humanitarian work. And um, as I speak right now, we've been able to reach out to so many families. Right now we are working on a project uh, with an organization in the United States called USANA Foundation, where we are also building uh, what we're calling garden towers. And uh, we are reaching out to 200 families with that project of building the garden towers. These garden towers are able to provide the families with vegetables. Uh, we're planting them kale and spinach that uh, with these towers, they can hold around 200 seedlings and they're small bags, they're not as huge bags, but they are able to manage and uh, feed the families. So that's what we're working on right now, to see the families go through that and get some food and also sell the supplies and take care of their families. Thank you, that's all about my humanitarian work. Now, did you say you're, you are working with the Shamba Foundation? USANA, yes, U-S-A-N-A. USANA and feeding families, supporting families, you know, that's what this podcast is all about, is supporting families. I love it. I love it. Now tell me about Days for Girls. How did you get involved with Days for Girls? So um, Days for Girls uh, in Bomet uh, started in the year 2016 when, uh, when I was still, uh, when I had been gotten involved with the humanitarian team from the U.S., and we were, when we started working with families, we were experiencing so many other things. We were getting uh, so many other challenges just apart from food and education. And the most um, uh, big issue that was coming back to us every time I go visiting a family 
was how do we support their daughters or the girls out there in providing them with a sustainable uh, sanitary supply because most families uh, live within a, a dollar per day and that one dollar a day can provide them with only food. They want extra money to be able to buy sanitary supplies for their girls. So the biggest problem out there was how do we support, how do we ensure their girls go through some dignity, you know, when they're having their menstrual days. And that was really uh, a hit on me because it reminded me of my growing up, my all, since I started my, uh, when I got to adolescent stage at around nine years, I didn't have a sanitary pad to use. We used to cut blankets, old clothes. And that was because we didn't have an option. You know, your parent provides food and salt. You go back asking them for money. They tell you they don't have. But because we wanted to, you know, you still want to go to school, we had to find a solution. And it reminds me of what I went through. Every time I talk to girls in each family, they tell me the same thing, that sometimes they miss school. Sometimes they are afraid of going to school without the sanitary pad. And they, they just sit back home and tell their teachers and tell everybody they are, if they are asked why I'm not in school, they say they are sick. And it's not a sickness, actually. It's only that they're lacking something that they cannot even explain to the world what they're missing. And the only thing they do is say they are sick and they stay home for three, four days every month because of lack of supplies they need. Yes, and, and you know, I think this is something that you know, women in the United States just take for granted. It never would have dawned on us what it would have been like to have had to go through a period without sanitary napkins, tampons, anything, without you know, even tissues. And so one, there's the idea that there isn't money for it because food is considered more important than it is. Mm -hmm. And two, that they couldn't talk about it. I understand this is kind of a taboo mm -hmm. that, well, you know, in, in some extent, I guess it is here too, but not as much as it is there. I understand this is like a forbidden topic. Exactly. I will tell you with experience that most of the fathers I've talked to at this moment, sometimes they wonder why I'm even speaking about that. And uh, I'll tell you of a story what happened uh, sometimes back when I was driving back to my house and I gave a ride to a man who was an old guy and I was wearing my Days for Girls t-shirt. And uh, this guy asked me, what is Days for Girls all about? Uh, how comes it's only saying Days for Girls, not for boys? So I was uh, surprised and I was like, okay, yes, let's go for it. I explained to him what Days for Girls is, what we do. And for us, we talk about menstrual hygiene aspects. And um, we talked for a while at some point he asked himself, he had three daughters who had gone through high school and he cannot remember even a single day being asked by the daughters for money to go buy sanitary pads because every time they go for shopping, they write the rest of the items they need. He gives money to them to buy food, everything else, but he's never seen even 
sanitary pad on a list. And the main issue once we, when we finalized on that discussion was that there is that stigma. The girls couldn't talk to their father about it. And yet he's the one who gives money. He's the one who works. The mother doesn't work. So he's the one who gives money for everything you need. And from that point, he said, I'm going home and ask to ask my daughters and my wife how they've been able to survive all this time. Because I told him so many girls out there are opting to ask money from boyfriends and other people who will actually take advantage from them. They need something in exchange because as fathers we've decided this is a no-go zone. This is something we're not going to talk about it. And he was shocked because he couldn't believe that could have happened to his daughters. And yet he was in a position to only that there were no communication. So yes, there's a lot of stigma surrounding menstruation. And, and it sounds like, and, and even his wife couldn't talk to him oh, about yes. it. Oh, yes. You know, could the daughters even talk to their mother about it? I mean, do, do the girls know what to expect? I, you know, we have these programs in our schools where the whole process is explained to girls when they're still in elementary, so they'll be prepared. Do they have that in Kenya? Initially, we should be having, a, we call it sex education at some point in your primary uh, level. Normally, uh, if you look at our syllabus, a Kenyan syllabus, at around sixth grade, seventh grade, they should be introduced to uh, sex education. But uh, because of the stigma also, the teachers have, uh, have, have kind of uh, been skeptical. They, they kind of don't even train. I remember I went through the primary school and nobody taught me about it. My first period, I was not aware what was going on with my body. I thought I was dying because you're bleeding and you have no idea what's going on. And this is something that uh, there's been a lot of ignorance. And I think the stigma is kind of uh, pushing everything on the side. So the parent assumes that the teacher will teach their daughters. And the teachers also assumes the parent will, will inform their daughters. So there's a lot of assumptions surrounding it. And now the girls are left in the middle not knowing what's really happening. So unless a friendly older sister or friend, the girls will have yes. no idea why suddenly they start yes. bleeding. Oh, that could be so traumatic. Yeah, and that uh, brings us to uh, an incident that happened in Kenya, in Bomet, last year, September, where uh, a girl committed suicide. Uh, because of menstrual shame. And this happened when she was in school. So this girl was in school at around 10 o'clock. Um, she started a menstruation and this was her first time of menstrual of menstruation. She didn't know what was happening. So when that happened, uh, she soiled her dress and they were seated in class of both boys and girls. So the teacher was in class teaching at that time. And uh, I think they were supposed to uh, understand they were told uh, to do some things. And this uh, girl with some other students didn't have pencils to use. And they were told to go to the, to stand up and go to the next class and borrow pencils to, to come and use to write some drawings. I think they were supposed to do some drawings. So everybody stood up that didn't have what they needed except this girl called Jacqueline. She, she was called Jacqueline. So this girl didn't 
stand up at that point. She remained seated. And the teacher kept on insisting, why are you seated and you don't have your pencil? Can you go to the next class and borrow? But this girl knew what had happened. She felt something was amiss in her dress. She was all wet. But she couldn't even explain this to the teacher, even to call the teacher and tell her what was going on. So she remained seated until the teacher kind of got, um, uh, 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 she was uh, wondering why and trying to just push her to keep, uh, to stand up. And she finally did that. So when she did that, the whole class, the students who are seated, saw what had happened. So just going through that shame, didn't, that didn't go well with her. So she went straight home uh, and met her mom and told the mother, uh, the mother told her, why are you home early? It's still morning, why are you home? And she said, uh, this happened to my dress and uh, the teacher told me to go home. So the mom told her, it's okay, that is normal. You, you'll be experiencing that every month. Just uh, check out your clothes, go wash them, and come back, because they normally go to the river to wash clothes. So go to the river, wash clothes, and come back. I'll explain to you what is happening. This girl uh, instead decided, I don't know, she didn't talk to anybody after that point. She just took her rope went to the river, hanged herself in a tree. And that was all. Wow. That's heartbreaking. And so, and I understand that Days for Girls provides that education and that training. Yes. So as Days for Girls, um, we do provide um, training. Um, we take the girls through the women reproductive system, just help, helping them to understand what happens with our bodies. Why are you bleeding? We start with the puberty also, just trying to them, uh, you know, introducing them to what happens from childhood. You go to puberty, you go to adolescence, you know, just taking them through the whole process because once these girls are informed and they know that menstruation is a natural process, even if something happens, out there, they'll stand for themselves and say, this is okay. It's just, uh, you know, that I didn't get this today, but it is fine, you know, because they know why that is happening. Yes. So what yeah. we are doing is to break that silence surrounding the whole thing and say, hey girls, let's be proud of our menstruation. Yeah, yeah. That means they can be mothers. They can become mothers. Yes, yes. And, and I, and then I understand too that uh, girls would miss school because they wouldn't go to school when they were having their period or they would drop out. You said when you were growing up, it was the habit to just marry them off at an early age. Yes. So, uh, so what, what, what actually happens when, uh, because now you are in a situation whereby you don't have the supplies that you need. You don't have the information that you need, actually, that what is happening with you is okay. So most girls, that is where they drop out of school because they will find someone, mostly men, take advantage at this point that I'm going to buy you the sanitary pads. They give them money, but in uh, exchange, they have sex with them. Mostly that's the biggest issue right now. So um, sex in exchange of pads which in late, later on brings 
uh, teenage pregnancies. Once they're pregnant, they miss school. They, they stay home, they become young mothers. Some stay home and every, if you're missing school every month for three days, by end of the year, you're actually behind and they don't do well in school. At the end of the day, they don't feel, they don't see the reason why they're even going to school because they, they lack that motivation because every other month you have to stay home and yet everybody else, all the boys are still going to school and they are being taught. So it's, it's something that brings a lot of long-term effects in, even in their performance in education. And that's why every, every time we go to a school and there's a lot of issues with lack of sanitary supplies, you will find that in the graph, our girls are always the bottom line because their performance, they miss school and they perform so poorly. And when we come in and say, hey, we want to hold your hands as girls, we provide them with the education they need. We provide them with the reusable sanitary pads that these four girls make. And that girl is sure of attending school for three years. When you go back in a year or two, you see a lot of girls coming on top performers because they have been to actually attend school. That is wonderful. I love it. I love what you're doing, Anita. Um, we met through Lydia. Lydia? is in uh, Kisi, and you said you live near there. You've been in the community. And Lydia is in, engaged in very similar work, making sure that families have enough to eat and the girls have what they need to maintain their dignity and to be able to continue their education. I love it. I think it's great. So you have your... I have, you sent me some links, so anyone who wants to support either um, 100 Humanitarians International or Days for Girls can go to those links, find out more, donate, become part of the solution. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us, Anita? Uh, thank you so much, Emalo, for this opportunity because uh, uh, I think sharing this with the world and uh, letting and uh, getting support to actually be able to reach out to these girls is the biggest gift we can give. Um, I've worked with Lydia and uh, I met with Lydia when I was doing a, a training in uh, one of the schools that she's a teacher there and uh, we connected right then because our mission, we shared the same vision and mission and our mission and vision is to make sure that all girls attend school throughout their term without fail, without missing the most essential thing that is the sanitary pad because menstruation is a natural process that connects us all. And um, my call at this point is if you can be able to reach out to us uh, through the link that we will provide, we can be able to reach to many girls out there through your support of giving them the education they need on menstrual aspects and also providing them with the solution that is providing them with the reusable, washable sanitary pad that lasts for three years. And they can be so happy to be in school for three years uninterrupted. Thank you. Thank you. And Anita, you have a great day. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I started this podcast with the goal of providing useful information 
to parents and families. I'd like to know how I'm doing. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using, and then go to my website, hypnosis4motivation.com. Leave a comment and let me know what your greatest challenges are. Are there topics you'd like to learn more about that we haven't covered yet? How can we help meet your needs as a family member? Do you have a story to share that would help others? Reach out to me at hypnosisformotivation.com. Use a number four. I'd love to hear from you.